Welcome to the Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, where your imagination is the real superhero. Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right. We're brothers. Oh. We're classic. Oh no. I, thought you were gonna, I said we're brothers and you went, oh, and I was like, uh-oh, is this going to be the dramatic turn? Dun, dun, dun. Actually, we've never been brothers. Wouldn't that be sad for our noble listeners I, that'd be sad for me you're a good brother i like i like hanging out with you i mean you're all right no i was just looking at my since i updated audacity this <laughs> this episode might be really loud it's fine it's just zoomed in on the sound i guess i don't know but anyway so we do have some uh notes from our producer he wanted to talk about GamesCon because i think he thought we were a news podcast for a while i think he forgets that we do a lot of these episodes in advance so by the time this episode comes out GamesCon is a forgotten memory <laughs> yeah yeah i i just think he also just often forgets so uh the news from our producer is he wanted for us to start a new segment called um the news you can use which uh i think people have already used but he wanted to talk about within the news that you can use segment he wanted to talk about GamesCon and specifically the dark forces remaster that got announced mm, yeah which is pretty exciting uh, i mean it looks it looks exciting so for those who missed GamesCon, uh night dive is doing a remaster of dark forces and it looks like they are building it in the kex engine which is the engine that they have used for a lot of their games that are doom like i guess i would say um so like for example doom 64 and power slave exhumed and uh blood and they also uh like the most recent updates to quake 2 and quake were also in the kex engine um so the kex engine is kind of like their big first person shooter cross-platform framework and that's what they're going to be using for star wars dark forces and i think that's great there's a lot of lighting upgrades you can do with it um they're going to be updating all of the cutscenes to have kind of revised textures to make them look a little less blocky, which in all fairness, I like the pixel look of those cutscenes, but it'd be cool to kind of see the new style they're going for, which is like this hand-drawn style. And who knows, they might have a way you can toggle it to the old style if you prefer. Uh, Night Dive is usually pretty good about that sort of thing of like updating places where they need to be, but keeping the game pretty much the way it should have been. They're really good at kind of preserving games in that regard. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a pretty cool thing to play. And yeah, I love Dark Forces. It'll be nice to play it in a way that it doesn't like crash every now and then because the current version just runs in DOSBox. I I was playing through the um, original Dark Forces and I wonder if they're gonna keep the play style where you like choose your mission, you like finish your mission and you go on to the next mission and you can choose to do different missions at a time. They, I mean, they probably will because I think that's kind of cool. But and then uh, we finally get a uh, Kyle Katarn in uh, full on HD graphics. I uh, I'm very excited about seeing. Uh, 
our our boy Kyle Katarn. I love Kyle Katarn. I I'm a fan of Kyle Katarn too. I feel like if Star Wars was real and I was in the Star Wars world, I would be Kyle Katarn. Nice. I thought you were gonna say you'd be friends with Kyle Katarn. <laughs> no, I just be him. Nice. I f- I feel like Kyle Katarn and I are kindred spirits. We we both are pretty much mercenaries when it comes to um doing things for money. You have a moral code. We do have a moral code where we don't do horrible things for money. And if I was to become a Jedi in the Star Wars world, it'd probably be the way that Kyle did. And that was get submerged in a bunch of goo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of actually being a Jedi. <laughs> Kyle took the easy way out. It's just like, bam, there we go. That's uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. Do uh, you think I'd actually go to the Jedi Academy? No. I'd be like Kyle Katar and all of a sudden, super speed. <laughs> you could be like Dash Rendar. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I'd be like, Rosh, who's that really annoying guy at Jedi Academy, but I'm glad you said I'm like Dash Rendar. I feel there you go. About that. You work for the government. You uh, you drive a uh, shitty car. <laughs> yeah, and I like wearing fun jackets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, you like wear fun jackets. I like how Dash Rendar is always ready to go on a boat because he always wears his life jacket. <laughs> Just like you. You're not even going out on the water. Meanwhile, Kyle Katarn, he's ready if he gets shot in one shoulder because he has that pauldron on only That's one right. shoulder. And uh, like a starched collar in his action figure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Zach... Yes, Seth. What have you been recently been playing? Seth, recently I set up ExoWin on my computer, largely thanks to the fact that you advised me to do so. I did not download all of the games that were available on for ExoWin because that is 300 gigs of data that I didn't want to lose. So I went through the list of what's currently compatible with ExoWin and I downloaded the ones that I thought looked fun. <laughs> and one of those games that I downloaded is a game that I remember playing a demo of when I was a child. And that game is Mr. Potato Head, Saves Veggie Valley. Originally released in 1995 by Duck Soup Productions and Turning Point Software, in Mr. Potato Head Saves Veggie Valley, you play as Mr. Potato Head. Oh. And you must figure out how to stop the drought in your town of Veggie Valley. Uh, and you do so by teaming up with your daughter, whose name is Sweet Potato. Wait, I gotta think about this for a little while. You're playing a potato. Yes. And your objective is to stop a drought yes which is the weather to stop the drought you have to go to a fun fair because that's where the clouds are (laughs) do you have to convince the clouds to be sad so that they rain i'm pretty sure you have to convince the clouds to come to veggie valley oh i thought you just had to go to a fun fair and pick on clouds so that they cry maybe maybe that too i didn't get that far in the game which is saying something because these are usually pretty easy games but in any case um i remembered this game from a cd-rom i had distributed by play school which was a subsidiary of Hasbro. And I remember for a while I had a disc of other PlaySchool games and on this disc was a demo for Mr. Potato Head Saves Veggie Valley, which only got to a certain point and then you had to stop playing. So I thought I would try to jump into that full-fledged experience. And I think if I had this full game as a kid, I would have really enjoyed it because this game is very much in the style of like humongous adventure games. Hmm. So like Putt-Putt, Pajama Sam, Freddy Fish, 
I would say it's more on the level of like Pup Putt and Fatty Bear, where it's a pretty easy peasy. Whereas yeah. like Pajama Sam and Freddy Fish get a little bit more complex, and Spy Fox is a little more complex. So you remember how there was a lot of Pup Putt games? Yes, I do. And there's a decent number of Freddy Fish games. Yes. There are only like two Fatty Bear games, and one of those Fatty Bear games, he's it's a team up with Pup Putt. Yeah, one of the Fatty Bear games is just a pack of mini games. He gets the raw end of the deal he when really it comes does. to protagonist of the humongous world. Spy Fox, at least, I think has two two or three games. Yeah, and Pajama Sam has, I think, four or five because there was yeah. a one that came out very late in the game that we never played. Um, Yet. But, uh, but anyway, Mr. Potato Head Saves Veggie Valley is, is kind of similar to those games in the sense that you have to bring in a, a thing to, to a place and that solves the objective. So like, for example, one of the first puzzles is there are caterpillars on the road. So you pick up some leaves and you give them to the caterpillars and they leave. Hmm. That's how you can pass by. And that's very much like a putt putt thing. Well, it's a very much an adventure game thing. <laughs> yeah, that too. But you can literally click on everything and it will do something. That's like a humongous and Broderbund did that too. It was very much for like kid games did that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, things like pinwheel spins yeah exactly like everything had something to say or do however one unique puzzle element that is is unique to this game is the fact that you can customize mr potato head for certain situations and this is how you solve certain puzzles so for example one of the second puzzles you encounter is a bridge that is being blocked by an onion who is... Mr. Potato Head just calls him a troll. I don't know if he oh. was referring to him in, like, the internet sense. <laughs> he was 95, so probably not. But he's like, ah, oh, troll. And the guy's like, definitely Was it a bridge? Him. It was a bridge. He was, so he's under, so he was under a, the bridge. He was, a, he was like a... Yeah, so he was definitely a troll. Bridge troll. But he was definitely an onion. Well, you could be a bridge troll and an onion. I guess so. But, but the onion troll said to me, I only let royalty across the bridge. So I went into the Mr. Potato Head customization tool, and I gave mm-hmm. Mr. Potato ahead a crown and a robe and then the onion let me cross the bridge because Ooh. now I was royalty. And then once you cross the bridge, Mr. Potato Head goes back to normal. So I guess he's hoping the onion doesn't look. Maybe the onion's like, man, you're over the bridge. Who cares? They don't pay me that much. <laughs> that That's pretty much the gist of the game. It's uh, certainly a game I would have liked as a kid. Certainly a game I probably won't play it again. <laughs> Do you know what that dressing up as royalty reminds me of? That time in Gabriel Knight 3 where you need to put on a mustache that is composed of maple syrup packet tape and a cat hair <laughs> man there's so many things that remind us of that that is my favorite puzzle in in life that's one of those puzzles that has a whole wikipedia page just dedicated right, to that puzzle right yeah well you know if there's one thing that i want to do in my life is dress tim curry up with a piece of tape with cat hair stuck to it from maple syrup in any case seth what have you been recently playing recently i have also been using the exo win 3x as well i've been playing specifically a super solvers game called outnumbered with the o and the n capitalized with an exclamation point uh it's an educational game as evident by it being done by super solvers and being called outnumbered because within those three lines there are at least two references to math it's a education game published by the learning company which i believe is vaguely related to what we're talking about today that was released in uh, 1990 and was remastered in 1995 and we owned a copy of outnumbered and i definitely also played it at school it's a very good math game 
You play as this creepy child who wears a blue trench coat, Hawaiian shorts, baseball cap, and some sunglasses. Uh, You kind of look like a flasher, but you're wearing shorts, so it's okay. And you can move left and right. You can do cool jumps, like spinny jumps, and you can blast people with your remote control that shoots out like teleporting sound waves. I'm not exactly sure what it shoots. However, I actually was like, man, I really dig all the music in this this game fun fact it's all classical music the intro is actually box prelude in c minor bwv 999 so if you're ever like rocking out to the intro music to outnumbered like i was you can thank bach also it was probably cheap for them to get all the classical music and layer it in it's all public domain so they're like we need some lit music for the background i have an idea now in the game if you've never played outnumbered uh, you have to find the Master of Mischief, who is a man who is hiding in a room. And he's going to accomplish something by midnight. And it's nine o'clock when you show up. Because you're taking your time. Yeah. The security guard's passed out in the chair already. And you've got like four hours to find this guy in a room, in a in a building that has six rooms. <laughs> so one of these rooms has them. Uh, they all have locks on them. And you have to find the code. And you find the code by... By blasting tellies as the code is hidden in the tellies bellies <laughs> which I only played this game to say that pun once you blast the telly you have to solve math problems which show up in their bellies which because their television monsters are the screen of the television uh, you solve math problems and then they give you one code you blast four tellies you get four codes and then you use that code to figure out what room is uh, locked by going to each of the rooms and solving word puzzles but they're math word puzzles so they're math puzzles with words and i think those are word problems is what they're called in in real life uh so you solve these wor- word problems and i'm just everything's math related so it's not like a word problem with words it's all math related so it's great some of the word problems that i was solving were problems that i would encounter in work you know something about outnumbered that i remembered is i definitely played that game when i was a bit too young because Mm. i remember at one point launching the game and playing it and encountering a word problem and for a brief second i remember thinking to myself i can't read I can only do the number parts. They do include a calculator, though, which is fun for doing word problems. That is, I remember that. That is nice. Yeah. Which arguably, I mean, I guess you always will have a calculator in life, unlike what teachers told us in third yeah. grade. Yeah, that bothered me so much. Teachers would be like, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. Joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, we do. In fact, everybody does, and it's not even weird. <laughs> yeah. So you have energy, clocks count down, you got to find... Uh, the master of mischief which he's like a very villainous guy with like he's like bald he's got like this tall science hair bald in the middle and then it's got like these the big science hair sticking out and he wears a lab coat but he is the size of a child like he is a small man uh because he's the size of the character that you're playing who is a child i don't know what mischief he's going to do but you stop him and when you stop him you blast him with your remote control and he teleports off i assume to hell uh this is where you send him because that's in my canon the 
kid from Outnumbered has a remote control that blasts people to hell. So yeah, so you blast uh, Master of Mischief to hell and uh, you get your solve. And the way the game works is there is um, a 500,000 point system and you can earn so many points every time you go through the game. The more points you earn, the more difficult it gets. So in the beginning, it gives you like hints. And then after you become a junior level by getting 5,000 points, you no longer get hints. And then you make your way up towards being a super sleuth, which is like 500,000 points. Yeah, very nostalgic game for me. Makes me feel smart because uh, I did only addition math in this game and I could do addition pretty well. But uh, I didn't get to the later levels where there might be division and not a big fan of that. Anyway, but yeah, so I've been that's what I've been playing. Super Solvers Outnumbered. Well, today we are keeping in the theme of edutainment. A while ago, Seth was playing Spider-Man Cartoon Maker and it gave us the idea to talk about knowledge adventure the company that created spider-man cartoon maker yeah in fact uh spoiler alert next sunday's episode is going to be about a more popular topic but i presented two topics to zach and i said we can talk about this topic or we can talk about knowledge adventure and he said so we can talk about a really popular thing or we can talk about something that nobody knows about and i said yeah let's go with that one now before we get into the history of knowledge adventure as a company seth do you want to talk about any memories you have of knowledge adventure games they did a butt ton they sure did (laughs) that when i was going through it i was like holy moly they made so many games we're gonna talk about spider-man cartoon maker and i think that's where i think where we should really like even maybe even title this as spider-man cartoon maker because if there's gonna be any nostalgia out there it's gonna be for that game because that game is glorious um i definitely have a lot of memories of spider-man cartoon maker the sound effects haunt my mind um specifically like the aunt may and the like nanny music i guess as she walks across everyone had like their own music line or just like a weird sound effect like uh dr octopus was like yeah because yeah. his legs that were but it was like a very distinct sound yeah for sure and uh spider-man had the spider-man like the uh it's all fun stuff it was a fun game we made some i remember we made some cartoons uh some of them were spider-man themed and some of them were inappropriate (laughs) it sounds like us i'm gonna say a majority of them were probably inappropriate i feel like because you could save your cartoons on multiple pages i feel like we saved inappropriate cartoons on separate pages that were not immediately available so that people didn't like stumble on inappropriate cartoons yeah we definitely like hid them just in case our father decided to play spider-man cartoon maker on a rainy day which to be fair was not unheard of (laughs) yeah no mind you this is like the 90s so like this is peak video gaming at the time but it wasn't like it wasn't like he was gonna boot up wolfenstein while we were home so what else is gonna play play mr spider-man cartoon maker your options (laughs) 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 to either get lost in a puzzle designed by mad people or uh or play mist I really enjoyed, and I think we talk about this later, but I really enjoyed the actual cartoons that came with the Spider-Man Cartoon Maker. Yeah. I remember watching those and being like, wow, you could do so much with these cartoon makers. I also remembered, funny enough, and not having a microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because I always remember there was voiceover in the cartoons that came with the game. And I was like, man, I always want to do voiceover, but I couldn't do voiceover because we didn't have a microphone for the computer. And I think it's funny now that like, I don't know, I've probably had four or five computers since that original computer. And uh, I've had like a microphone with all of the other computers because <laughs> of headsets and stuff like that and requiring to talk online. So I was like, wow, if I just booted up Spider-Man Cartoon Maker recently, which I did, I think it was my recently played for the last episode. I could have voiced over some uh, some some tracks and made my own Spider-Man cartoon. I also learned that you could uh, save off your movies and yeah. uh, send them to people so that people who don't have Spider-Man Cartoon Maker could watch your Spider-Man movie. Because I'm sure that's what many aunt, uncles and grandmas and grandmothers and extended family wanted from their uh, relation was uh, a scary Spider-Man cartoon Yeah, right, cartoon. yeah. You can actually find, like, people on YouTube who have uploaded their Spider-Man Cartoon Maker cartoons in, like, high-quality rips. But my favorite thing is the people who uploaded old VHS tapes of Spider-Man Cartoon Maker episodes. <laughs> That's, it's very good. I know, I mean, speaking of sound effects, one of my favorite sound effects, or it's one that, it's not really my favorite, but it's one that I've heard in other places, is the sound of the police officer. When you yeah. drag the police officer across the screen, there's like a radio chatter. 1125, code 6, 105 North Avenue, 52. And I was watching something else and i remember hearing that radio chatter sound the exact sound and then i heard it again somewhere else and i was like this is definitely a stock sound effect and i found that it is a stock sound effect called liberty 285 code 6 105 north avenue 52 <laughs> uh, yeah and yeah it's apparently just some random stock sound effect but on the youtube channel of someone uploaded that sound effect everyone is like i remember this from spider-man cartoon maker <laughs> anyway to get into the history of knowledge adventure knowledge adventure as a company was founded in 1991 in Torrance, California by Bill Gross. The company was founded as an edutainment company, which we've talked about edutainment before. I think we did a whole episode on it. Edutainment is kind of the combination of educational and entertainment. It's portmanteau, if you would. Yeah, it's like us. We are the embodiment of edutainment. That's true. And in their early days, they primarily worked on DOS projects. Some of their earliest games were Isaac Asimov's Science Adventure, Dinosaur Adventure, and another game, I think it was just called like Space Adventure. So they really liked putting like Subject Adventure. They did make a pretty big name for themselves at one point when they developed for DOS and Windows, Mario is Missing and Mario's Time Machine, um, which were also on the Super Nintendo and the NES, though those were made by different people. Mario's Missing, while sounding like a very potentially exciting game, is in fact a game where you play as Luigi and you learn about geography. In the DOS version, Luigi is kind of drawn cartoony, so he doesn't look like the sprite of Luigi that like we're familiar with, like just green Mario. They made him look kind of a bit more like, I guess Luigi would look. He's taller, he's a little thin, um, he's got a little bit more cartoony proportions, but that particular sprite was redrawn as a cartoon and someone turned it into a meme on the internet in the early 2000s. And that meme was called Ouija and people would just put him in awkward situations, sometimes offensive situations, but I mean, that was the internet. He spawned from 4chan, he went to Reddit. Anyway, in the game, you travel around various parts of the world and you're trying to figure out why Mario is in fact 
missing. Do you think Carmen San Diego stole him? It was Bowser, but Carmen San Diego probably helped. The other game, Mario's Time Machine, is uh, about finding lost objects and going to different parts of history to return those. So it's also an educational game because you're doing history stuff. Do you have the lost objects? No, you find them in weird places. And you return them to their proper places. Yeah. So like Isaac Asimov's apple is in Rome for some reason. So like an innocuous thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing huge. It's not like uh, the dagger that stabbed Caesar is all of a sudden. No. No. It's like in, I don't know, Leonardo's hand or something. No, it's not like paradoxical stuff. I think like the Mona Lisa is misplaced. In August of 1995, Knowledge Adventure acquired Fanfare Studios, who previously put out two edutainment titles of their own, Jumpstart Kindergarten and Jumpstart First Grade. The Jumpstart series was fairly popular as they covered a wide variety of subjects like writing, math, phonics, and other topics that would be helpful for children entering early schooling. And this would become Knowledge Adventure's bread and butter. They made yeah. so many Jumpstart games. There is a Jumpstart for like every grade. I'm surprised that there's not like a Jumpstart College, Basic Finances. That would have helped me so much if there was a Jumpstart College. <laughs> but it goes up to, I think, third or fourth grade for Jumpstarts. Um, and they're different subjects too. So you have like first grade writing, second grade writing. And it's just like, wow, they really just took school broke it up by subjects and then milked them. Now, uh, 1995 was also the year that John Semper Jr., the story editor for the Spider-Man animated series that was on television at the time, developed Spider-Man Cartoon Maker for Knowledge Adventure. And this game was Zach and I's favorite game growing up. Mostly because, unlike Dragon Sphere, uh, we could beat Cart- Spider-Man Cartoon Maker because it didn't crash randomly. Right, and also it didn't have an ending. <laughs> it's so. true, it didn't have an ending. So you can play it forever but it never crashed. Now, Spider-Man Cartoon Maker is part of the Cartoon Maker series of games, which also included the Adventures of Batman and Robin Cartoon Maker, which I believe is before Spider-Man Cartoon Maker. They came out like the same year, but I think Adventures of Batman and Robin came out earlier in the year. So then those those Adventures of Batman and Robin Cartoon Maker, Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, and later X-Men Cartoon Maker, which when I was reading through the notes, I thought that said XCOM Cartoon Maker. And Oh my I God, was... that would have been the best game ever. That would have been amazing. It would have come out at the right time, too. Oh, like, man. Imagine dragging your little XCOM guy across the screen and you have to dissect aliens. <laughs> oh, it would be perfect. Uh, but anyway, it was X-Men Cartoon Maker, which you could also combine Spider-Man Cartoon Maker with X-Men Cartoon Maker making a Marvel combined game. However, I don't believe you could combine Batman's and Robin with Spider-Man. No. No, you couldn't. But when you installed X-Men Cartoon Maker, it would say, it looks like you already have a copy of Spider-Man Cartoon Maker installed. Would you like us to install it to that folder? And if you said yes, then what would happen is next time you launch, I think you would have to launch Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, but all of the assets from X-Men Cartoon Maker would be in Spider-Man Cartoon Maker. So you could have like Wolverine and Spider-Man. And also the X-Men Cartoon Maker like has their own stories and stuff like that. It was great. And then our copy of X-Men Cartoon Maker split in half. CD-ROM like literally cracked in half. Um, I remember Spider-Man Cartoon Maker was part. It was a half C's where half of it was Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, and the other was like a tree game, which may have been also done by Knowledge Adventure. My first encyclopedia was the one that was bundled oh, on right. the CD-ROM. My first encyclopedia. My first encyclopedia is the tree game, but there was another game in the files, and it was like Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, but it had like oh the magic one. Yeah. And I was trying to hunt that game down. I don't know what it was called. I know what game you're talking about. I'll figure it out. I'm, v- I'm very good at finding obscure software. <laughs> it's 
my secret talent. Now, what's also, a, I, I just want to state a fact. The cartoons that were coming out looked like the cartoons that you were making in Spider-Man cartoons. Which was amazing. Today, the cartoons look different. So the cartoons that you would make in Spider-Man Cartoon Maker do not necessarily look like the cartoons that come out today. These cartoons were like what we would like to call lazily drawn blastum cartoons where they made a bunch of cartoons to sell toys. Now your job playing Spider-Man cartoon as the player would be to create scenes using animated stickers. You could drag stickers across the screen, often accompanied by music or sound effects. And from here, you could add dialogue using a microphone or text boxes. And you could have stickers at varying levels of foreground to background. So you could have a big sticker that was the background, and then you could drag creatures across of it in the foreground, or you can make objects in the foreground. You could then save what you were doing as a scene, and then you can start a new scene and you could string together multiple scenes to create a whole scenario. And many of the storylines that we created had no sense. Mostly because, once again, we had no microphone, so we couldn't voice over what we were talking about. So we had to use text bubbles, which generally took up the entire screen if you were going to read anything. And they were more like uh, animated comics is really what they were. One of the big components in cartoons is voice. And without having a microphone, we really had Spider-Man comic maker that was animated. What's cool is the entire game is narrated by Christopher Daniel Barnes, who is the voice of Spider-Man in the 1990s cartoon series. Along with the scenes you could make, there were also some pre-made storylines, including the Sinister Six story storyline and the retelling of spider-man's origins i feel like that one he had like the the spider dropped down and the spider got really big or something yeah and then there there's also like another one where it shows his like first time having spider sense and it just keeps doing concentric circles like around his head these scenes are these little movies that were included were fun and a way to show players what type of stories that you could tell. The X-Men Cartoon Maker, which could be installed on top of the Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, was more of the same, but with characters and items from the X-Men animated series of the time, which was the best series of the time. Yeah, and that they're doing a uh, a new season of. In 1996, Knowledge Adventure was acquired by CUC International, which was a media conglomerate. In 1997, the company was merged with Davidson and Associates, which was later merged with Hospitality Franchise Systems to create Sendent. Sendent Software also included Blizzard Entertainment, Sierra, and Griffin Software. The next year, CUC was sold to the French media company Havas, which then merged with the water utility company Vivendi, which we've talked about Vivendi picking up these various different companies yeah yeah i think when we're talking about sierra yeah (laughs) so at one point in time the company that made uh spider-man cartoon maker was a co-company with blizzard now while under havas knowledge adventure continued to make kid-friendly games and edutainment software such as more games in the jumpstart series but also games based on the fisher price properties curious george barbie and American Idol. In 2004, Vivendi would sell Knowledge Adventure to investors who were looking to take a more active management strategy and develop new edutainment. In 2012, Knowledge Adventure would officially rebrand themselves as Jumpstart Games. And in 2014, Jumpstart bought 
Neopets from Viacom. That's a massive buy. Neopets is a major property. We'll talk about Neopets someday because it has a wild history. Throughout 2014 and 2015, Jumpstart re-released older knowledge adventure titles via a website called zoom-platform.com. I don't know if that's still a website, so I advise you not visiting it. These games included 3D Body Adventure, 3D Dinosaur Adventure, Space Adventure, and Undersea Adventure. The release was a joint venture with Jordan Freeman Group, and the releases were exclusively DRM-free digital downloads. They would also add Bug Adventure later into this mix, uh, largely due to the success that they saw from the initial batch, with uh, one description of the release being described as, quote-unquote, an incredible reaction. In 2017, Jumpstart was acquired by NetDragon Websoft, a Chinese online game development studio. NetDragon's previous ventures have been primarily in education, such as a partnership they had with the University of North Texas to launch a digital research center. In June of 2023, after many years of ups and downs, Jumpstart Games announced that they were closing their doors and ending support for all games, excluding Neopets. On June 30th, 2023, they officially ended support for their non-Neopets games and their website shut down on July 1st of 2023. Neopets was transferred to Fluffy Dog Studios, who had been previously called Jumpstart Vancouver. And that is the life of Jumpstart. They sadly, like, just shuttered their doors literally a few months ago. And apparently, no one knows why. <laughs> On the official Wikipedia for Jumpstart, it said, closed for unknown reasons. I, I assume financial might be the reason, but they had the Neopets license still. I don't know. And that actually is still making money. So I have no idea what was going on with them. I did uh, do some fast research and found that other Cartoon Maker game that you were thinking about. It's called Magic Theater. Oh, yeah, this is it. It's by Instinct Game. Oh, so it's not a knowledge adventure. <laughs> Use the same, like, game engine, I guess. Instinct must have been connected to knowledge adventure because I'm pretty sure that's the knowledge adventure logo next to Instinct's court. That's like, fun. Yeah. They might have been the, they might have been like a development house that Knowledge Adventure probably outsourced stuff to them. Now, as uh, Jumpstart was bounced around by uh, a few different companies, it's hard to get an exact figure on the numbers and how their games sold. However, according to Rocket Reach, a job recruiter site, it is indicated that Jumpstart had at one point 26 million in revenue and 13 million in funding. Owler reported at latest 2018, the estimated revenue was between 100,000 and 5 million. Crunchbase stated that their total funding at some point was around around 31.9 million and they had four investors with Random House Ventures, Azure Capital Partners being two major investors during the funding phases. The app tracking website Sensor Tower also provided a breakdown of some of the apps that Jumpstart sold with 39 apps being marked as making under $5,000 in the last month. Though we weren't able to find verification of this information and what this would have looked like for an entire year. So they either were very successful or they weren't. And being that they're no longer in business, we can probably say the latter now in terms of their legacy jumpstart knowledge adventure they weren't really a groundbreaking company to be honest the titles they have might be memorable but they were certainly not anything new everyone who made edutainment games basically made the same type of edutainment game it was either like a math game or a word problem solving game but i think what they do have at least in my opinion and i think in seth's opinion was the ability to create a lasting memory due to the just the fun 
of their games. Simply googling titles by Knowledge Adventure will bring you to random forum posts of people trying to find ways to still play these games today just because they want to reminisce about them. A YouTube video released by Peter Netter a few weeks ago that dives into Jumpstart series of games has nearly 200,000 views. A three-hour walkthrough of Jumpstart Adventure's third grade Mystery Mountain has nearly 400,000 views. Spider-Man Cartoon Maker shorts are still uploaded to YouTube. Many of them have thousands to tens of thousands of views apiece. In fact, the video I found that audio sample of the police officer, it had not only thousands of views, but also, as mentioned, majority of the comments were people reminiscing about Spider-Man Cartoon Maker. So I think Knowledge Adventure's legacy wasn't in the fact that they redefined anything in the gaming genre. It's just that their games were fun and that their games were memorable because of them being fun. And there was another thing that we haven't really mentioned. They were packed in with most of the computers. We had a Packard Bell 486 growing up and specifically the edition that we had had a suite of software. And that suite of software for a child ran from super exciting too extremely boring. I recall the original Journeyman came with it. There was the Spider-Man cartoon maker slash my first encyclopedia. There was Toonland. There was the Silent Steel demo in Carta 95. And there was uh, Better Home and Gardens. There was some like really fun CDs and then some really just junk. I think we played through them all though. Guinness World Records 95 I think was there. But so if you if you had like let's say only the package CDs for your computer and there were three games and one was a demo that ended halfway through and then another one was a weird time traveling game and the other was Spider-Man Cartoon Maker. Guess what game you're going to be playing a lot if you are of a certain age? Journeyman. Well, that will do it for Knowledge Adventure. Knowledge Adventure slash Spider-Man Cartoon Maker. Let's get into our retro rewind. So, Seth had me play Vagrant Story. Uh, it was developed by Squaresoft in 2000 for the PS1. You play as a member of an organization called the Valendia Knights of the Peace and are tasked with tracking down a cult leader named Cindy Lostero. Sydney leads a cult in the city of Le Monde, which is in the country of Valendia, currently in the midst of a civil war. The game is an action role-playing game with combat taking place using a system that I would call very similar to VATS, Basically, time stops, and you pick a part of the enemy you want to hit, and then you hit them, and it does damage or misses. So it's pretty much exactly like Vats, Vats being from the Fallout franchise. The game is actually very neat, though very text-heavy. It is mostly a role-playing game with action elements. There was a ton of dialogue at one point, but it was all through speech bubbles, which was a little obnoxious, because it was written in, like, old-timey English speak. So, like, everyone was speaking Shakespearean dialogue in speech bubbles, and I I was like, oh, this isn't fun to read. But overall, the game was, in fact, an enjoyable time. Uh, I think the game holds up if you like Square games, but also if you're not in the mood for a traditional RPG. So if you don't want to really sit down for something grindy, like maybe a Final Fantasy game, try out Vagrant Story. I, I had a good time. Uh, it kind of reminds me a bit of the Kingdom Hearts games, except the combat system in that is a bit more action heavy. But I don't know. It just kind of gave me that vibe. Next week, Seth, you can play Mecha robot golf for the super nintendo that sounds fun 
unlike all the other games you've given me. Speaking of which. <laughs> so Zach gave me Fifth Element for the PlayStation 1. Fun fact, I've never actually watched Fifth Element. Such a good movie. You should really watch it. Maybe you should give me the movie to watch instead of the game to play. So I've never actually watched Fifth Element. The game Fifth Element is based on that movie. So I have no nostalgia for the game nor the movie, nor do I really know what's going on in the movie nor the game. And I, it's been too long and I have been afraid to ask for so long. Now, in the game, you play as Corbin, uh, and you must break into the Nucleo Lab to find the Cellular Reconstruction Laboratory and reactivate Lilu's materialization using a DNA key. And I only know that you have to do that because the game says so in a block of text in the beginning of it. Fifth Element is a third-person action game where you, as I said, play as Corbin in the beginning, who is a dude with a gun. I don't know much about him, except that he has a gun. You eventually in the game, not that I played far enough you do eventually play as Lilu as well who I believe is the main character of Fifth Element she's at least the one that has the multi-pass and holds that up that's all I know she's played by Mia Djokovic who's in all the Resident Evil movies and Corbin is played by Bruce Willis now the game is a third-person action game on the PlayStation 1, which has a lot of issues, such as the ever-present fog and people shooting at you from out of that fog. If I watch the movie, I might actually know what's going on, but all I know is that there are random people shooting at me, and I don't know why they're shooting at me, and I have to shoot them back, but I can't see them. So if I actually knew what was going on by watching the movie, uh, maybe it would be a fun romp for someone who is nostalgic. But for me, it's just a kind of a clunky-looking PS1 action game. So, in its defense, it looks a lot like Shadows of the Empire, which I love, and that's for the N64. But, I have fond memories of Star Wars, so I can deal with it, but not of Fifth Element. So, if you love Fifth Element and you're yelling at me right now through your car or whatever you're listening to this through, yeah, maybe you should check out the the game. But if not, you can maybe pass. I don't know if it necessarily holds up, though, um, as any blocky PlayStation 1 action game holds up in today's day and age. It's not, like, unplayable. It's just there are better action games. Next week, Zach, in spirit of this episode we just did, you can play Spider-Man and Venom Maximum Carnage for the Sega Genesis. Great. I will. Well, with that, thank you for listening to our episode. If you have any memories of playing Jumpstart games or knowledge adventure games, send us an email to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Twitch, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, X, CG Brothers Pod, and Blue Sky, CG Brothers Pod. Uh, we're also available wherever podcasts can be found, be it iHeartRadio or Podbean or iTunes. That being said, Seth, is there anything I'm forgetting? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right.